All right, guys, so welcome to episode one um, in season two of the Growth Podcast. And what a beautiful way to start off uh, with this beautiful piece of infrastructure that's hosting us right here in Lusaka. Uh, we're at the Urban Hotel uh, in Lusaka, right at the junction of, um, you guys know Crossroads, right? Just there at that famous uh, four-way. And uh, my guest for the first season is actually the founder and the CEO of the Urban Group of Hotels. And that is Christopher Genou. I hope I got it all right. Yes, it's great. Thank you. Great. First of all, congratulations on this huge milestone. <laughs> Thank um, you. I feel like it adds beauty to the whole, you know, like the landscape around this place really adds beauty. And it's a good investment. Um, so um, it, it, it warms my heart to hear you say that. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy. And, and obviously, first tell us, first of all, what's the inspiration behind? Because I've seen the beautiful piece of art that we're seeing. Most of it is, you know, original African paintings that we're seeing. What, what was the inspiration behind that? Well, there were a lot of inspirations. So, uh, you know, when... when um, when, in terms of the architecture, so I'm, I'm a big design fan. I love design, and it, 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 it's really important to me to uh, to do uh, architecture, to build or to, to develop things that are, that can ultimately become somewhat iconic and add to to the, the you know to the I don't know to I, I want our our buildings and our hotels and our developments to have an aspirational nature because i know good design good architecture um adds to the quality of people's enjoyment of their cities i'm from new york city and um you know i'm a, I, I dropped out of architecture school so you you can tell i'm serious about design but not serious enough to study to, <laughs> <laughs> to go the so, whole way yeah so um so the inspiration for the urban hotel uh our, our palette if you if you will is that we're, we're sort of like an industrial chic you know i i like to say if if tom ford had a loft in new york city it would look like this um <laughs> in that it's sophisticated but raw and and what I what I love about the like the concrete, and 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 the wood and the unfinished bits of this, is that it, it it's it's very authentic. It's very it's very real. It's not pretending. And and there's beauty in raw concrete, that is just extraordinary. You know. And um, um, and what really works about that style is when you juxtapose it against something sophisticated and finished and polished. But you'll notice in the hotel that we don't really we don't focus on you know, froofy things there, you won't find like things that aren't necessary. You won't find ornamentation or, or, you know, uh, bulkheads that don't need to be there unless they're covering something or built-ins. Our, our architecture and our, our, our sort of design statement is really simple because that's where we come from and that's what, what we love. And, you know, what's been gratifying about it is that when, um, when you come into a, a market that, that is not your home market and you bring something that is, is sort of a compendium of all your influences, you're, you're really taking a chance, right? Well, will they get it? Will people like it? You know, will, will it resonate? And I, I, I swear your comment is, 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 is sort of, uh, it's, 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 it's very much in line with what we've been hearing from the community. They, they do get it, they appreciate it. And I think that developers by and large, especially in Africa, they, they and other places too, tend to talk down to their audience. Whereas, you know, we're only here for a short time. I want to talk up to my audience and, and hopefully they'll, 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 they'll come along with, with, with how we see the world and how we see hospitality and how we see design. Interesting. And, and how long have you been in Zambia? We came here in um, 2013. 
Um, and I lived here for four years. I'm based in Cape Town now, um, but I have an apartment here and we, we are based uh, in Southern and Eastern Africa. We have projects in Southern and Eastern Africa. So we, 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 we have interest in um, Tanzania and Mozambique and South Africa. And prior to the, the, um, the uh, pandemic, we were, we were going full, full bore and then we had to slow down and now we're kind of okay. coming back uh, into, into our pace. Good. So earlier I was talking about the fact that you don't just run the hotel, I mean the group of hotels, yeah. you actually own them. And, 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 and for me, that's something that warms my heart, seeing business owners, you know, that are daring and yeah. take risks and stuff like that. But then I did mention to you that the greater majority of people also want to venture into these kinds of businesses. Mm. But the problem comes in, in terms of financing. And you jokingly mentioned that you, well, the fact that you have this hotel means you owe people a lot of money. Talk me through that. Okay. How, did you, how do you manage to finance such big projects? You know, it's funny because... Um, uh, you know, I just gave a, a, I like to teach. I wrote a book. I probably didn't tell you this, but I wrote a book called The Internationalist about five years ago. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm really into what, uh, I'm, 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 I'm quite interested in, in what makes certain types of people successful who um, would otherwise not be obvious and what makes other people less successful who would otherwise seem like they would be like they have the network, they have the money, they have the backing. And, um, and so I became sort of obsessed with like, what, what, what's the differentiator here? And, um, a lot of it has to do with risk tolerance. That's a, that's a big part of it. And, um, coming to, to Zambia with, without any like strong financial backing, we kind of had to invent how we would get these things financed. Right. And, um, a lot of it was 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 having a vision, telling a good story, and having people believe that you could execute, which is how we sort of were able to punch above our weight and get people to buy into the vision. Um, but the, the the irony is that when, when we were talking in this real estate seminar the other day that I was giving here, I, I, I swear to you, it's harder for a guy like you or me to buy a house than it is almost to finance a project. In fact, I would say that financing a commercial real estate project that's well conceived and has the right bones and, and provides the right investment hurdles for, for outside investors is easier than going to the bank and asking for a loan so that you can buy your dream mansion in Nukasama. That's the nature of a commercial versus residential real estate because commercial real estate is, is, is something that creates wealth and cash flow, whereas buying a house is just a private asset. So in a funny way, I think people are intimidated by the scale of something like this. But the truth is that once you kind of get into it, you realize that, that there are levers and metrics that you need to sort of uh, meet or, 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 or to you know, operate with that will allow you to kind of build a bankable thing that other people will buy into. And then you can get them financed. Um, not everything, but... You, but that's why it's that's why it's so important to stand out, right? So this place looks different than other places, right? Yeah. So you can imagine it'd be easier for me to finance my next one because people will will look at this project and say, "Well, you know, these kinds of projects don't come along every day." So the direct answer to your question is: um, Is your vision unique? You know, is it bankable? Will it make other investors rich? If you have those three three things, and and uh, and your potential investors see a, a a candidate or a sponsor or a principal or a visionary 
who doesn't come along every day, then they're gonna, you're going to get their attention. And you know that based in Lusaka, I mean, the one thing about Lusaka is as, as rapid as all the development has been, a lot of it has been like cookie cutter, hasn't it? It's really unusual when you see something different. So I think that's a, that's a big part of it, to be honest. Good. And, and obviously, this is not the only hotel that you have. You also have others in other provinces. Let's now drive the conversation around building on your business, because there are some people that are comfortable with the, where they are. Yes, they want to grow, but the problem is that just financing what you already have, just to make it as profitable as possible is difficult. Let mm. alone begin to think of expanding, for example, into other locations and stuff like that. Once, once your business is in place, how then do you scale and begin to grow a business? Mm. You know, uh, this, is a, this is a really, really good question. And, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, because what I see a lot of is, and, 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 and I'm guilty of, of it myself, sometimes we fall in love with businesses that don't really get us to where we want to go, right? And we, we become sort of uh, sole proprietors or operators that, that require a lot of management. And the only way you can scale a business is when you have a system that kind of runs itself. Jeff Bezos once said, and I thought this was a great quote, uh, you know, his job is basically to make two important decisions every day that kind of impact the direction of the company. And the rest of the day, he's just kind of, you know, sort of surfing. He's, 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 he's thinking, he's, he's just kind of absorbing. And um, for an entrepreneur who wants to scale or build, you know, a business platform, you kind of have to think like that. And a lot of small businesses can't scale because they're too much about the investor or too much about the principal. Um, and so I think one of the hardest things to do is to say, you know what, this business is not scalable. I don't think I can scale this because it requires too much of me. Maybe I need to pull out. Um, but if you are in a good business and you, and you realize that, that you, you, you can scale it and you can systemize it, um, then, um, then it's, it's, it's basically, you know, about fundamentals. It's about, it's about business metrics and, and, you know, getting costs down and sales up and all that kind of stuff so you can expand. There's a great book, actually. I want to do a little, little seminar about it, actually. Do you know the E-Myth e Revisited, by chance? The E-Myth. No, no, no. So it's a, it's a wonderful business book. It's, it's, uh, and basically, the premise is it answers your question, which is basically a lot of people... Um, you know, build businesses that, you know, they, they're, they're great coffee. They, they love coffee. So they open a coffee house. They love food. So they open a restaurant. They love hotels. So they open a hotel. I know all about hotels. I've slept in a lot of them. And then they realize that they're, <laughs> they're actually not really that good at managing them or yeah. they fall out of love with them because loving coffee and opening a coffee house are different. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he points out that, that, you know, the 80, I think it's like 85% of Independent businesses fail within the first five or 10 years. 85% of franchises succeed within the first five or 10 years. And why is that? Because they're all systemized. Everything is measured, everything is quantified, all the, all the management systems are in place. And so the, 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 the theory behind the E-Myth, which I subscribe to, is that if you, if you have a business that you think has scalability, then look at it like McDonald's, look at it like a franchise. Try and systemize everything. What are the quantities? What are the uniforms like? What is the energy of the, of, of, of the like, codify what the 
what the employees are about. Codify the energy in the room. Codify the colors. Uh, and then you can, you can come up with something that can be replicated because it becomes measurable. So I think that's kind of the, the answer to that question for, for, for people that are, that are looking to scale. If it's about money, wanting to, like needing more money to scale, then that becomes all about how attractive your business is. Because if you come to somebody like me and you show me a business and I see, wow, this is really worked out, it's really codified, meaning it's systemized, the margins are good, the costs are, 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 are good, you know, because you're always looking for an appropriate markup. Is there a barrier to entry? Is there a moat around the business? Is it about this guy or is it about the business? If it's about the business, that's cooler because if it's about the guy, the guy might leave, you know, or the girl might go. Um, and if your business is compelling, then you will find the money. You, you can find the money if you present it well. Because investors, uh, are, are people like me, look for things like that. that we we want to find things like that. And most investors are not creatives, right? So they can invest the money, but they can't do what you did. They can't come up with the idea. They can't make it look that way, you know? So a creative person who has the, 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 the stomach and the, and the, 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 the spirit uh, and the aptitude to start a business and get it to, to stabilize is, is like a, it's, a, it's a genius thing. It's a rare thing, you know? And if you can, you can package that in something an investor can understand, I think you can find the money. Because there's lots of money out there. There's just bad salespeople. Yeah. You know? And, and away from what you just mentioned, because look, some people will manage to put in the systems, they will manage to, you know, detach themselves from the business. Mm. But the problem comes in in terms of like where you are, you are just alone. Obviously, you can't run all these businesses, all these hotels on your own. Yeah. You then begin to identify people that you work with. Sure. And for most people, they do not have that because I feel it's, it's an art, you know, to identify someone to work with and they're like a good fit and everything works out well. How do you identify your business partners that are able to add value to the business. So for example, you said you're based in Cape Town, but you've got hotels here in Zambia. Yeah. Obviously there are people that you've entrusted to help you run these you know, establishments. Yeah. How did you identify those people? And what do you look out for when you're trying to identify someone that you're gonna work with and make sure that there is some sort of resemblance in terms of your vision? Because look, you established these hotels on your own. <laughs> the people were not there when you were thinking about it. Mm. Then how do you get what you believe is your vision and communicate to someone else and it keeps running like it's you running it yourself. Well, I want to give credit first and foremost because I, I can't say I established anything on my own. I was the driver behind it, but, but, it, but it was a team of people that like, contributed to it and, and, and uh, in very important ways. Um, but your, your point is, is well taken because um, the first thing is, um, you know, you have to find your people, don't you? And by that, I mean, you know, you know, people that kind of have your pace and your your values and, and kind of like get your vision or add as you put perfectly add value to 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 the vision uh, or to the to the journey. Yeah, um, I, I personally find I also have to like them <laughs> because you spend a lot of time together and you want to have fun. Yeah. Like I want to have fun. I don't I don't look at it as a. It's purely a business thing, you know, because this is my life and 10 years is a long time in the, in, in, in the, in the tra trajectory of, of one's life. And so I want to be around people that, that like to laugh and, 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 and that this can be a memorable experience. 
The one thing I find um, in Africa, which is a little different than other places, um, well, different than America anyway, is that they, they focus a lot on credentials in Africa. And I can see there's a lot of sort of attention on, on uh, degrees and, you know, experience and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's a little different from where, where I come from in New York. It's more about like, so what have you done, you know? And, and oh, so you, you're, in fact, if you, if you brought out a credential, instead I went to Stanford or I went to Yale <laughs> and it was 10 years later and you hadn't done anything, it wouldn't even count, right? Or, you know, a cheeky guy who, who kind of grew up in the streets would say, you know, so your daddy bought you a degree, so what? You know, what can you do, you know? So we, I, I really, you know, this is kind of a, a art and science, right? The art is, can you read people? And can you get their heart? Can you get their energy? Can you get their drive, you know? And, you know, that's like an 80-20 proposition. 80% of the time you can get it right. And then sometimes you get it wrong. But then the other part of it is, the science part of it is, what, what are the, where, where are the hard skills, you know, and the soft skills? Um, uh, what have you picked up in your experience that you, that, that you bring to the table? And um, you need people that bring a lot to the table to get a vision across the line. Um, and that's the hardest part, is finding the right team. And then when you find the right team, <coughs> it's, like, uh, it's like a great basketball team, you know? It's like, you know, it's like the 76ers and 92, you know, that, those five guys, that was it, you know? Um, uh, and sometimes it, it becomes like a great band and, and then it goes all the way. Okay, so, so now that, <clears throat> that you're in Zambia, are you also like looking at degrees and whatnot in when, when you're putting together a team? <laughs> you know, there's a great metaphor for that. So when we, when we opened, the, the first urban we opened was in Indolo. And we, we talked to our immediate team. We had some ex-co guys um, and, um, and I had an American GM who was here. And he said to me, you know, CJ, I don't know, man, the service culture up in Indola, I'm not, I, I, you know, there's lots of people who worked at places, but they don't seem to have very good service habits, which is terrible. You know, I've worked at the Protea, I've worked at this place, or I've worked at Bojangles. And, and if the service habits aren't good, it means that they've been trained to be bad servers or bad hospitality, you know, yeah. uh, uh, professionals. So we did a weird, a really strange thing, and it could have blown up in our face, but it worked out brilliantly. Instead of putting a post out for jobs, we held a talent show and we didn't say what it was for. And so look who showed up, poets, rappers, uh, dancers, acrobats, um, musicians, uh, actors. Um, we got all, the, like these, all these talented people just showed up and they thought they were showing up for an addition. And basically we let them do their thing and what we were looking for was really just three things. We, we wanted people who were like engaged, who like had good people skills, like weren't afraid to look at you and had easy smiles. We were looking for people who seemed to have intelligent faces. And we were looking for energy and warmth and that was it. Because those were the things that we felt we couldn't teach somebody, yeah. but I can teach them hospitality. And that's how we hired 80% of our staff. And we told them, well, okay, so there's no, there's no talent show, but if you'd like a job at the Urban, <laughs> this, is, this is what this is all about. And it worked out. And, and we're willing. Yeah. 80% we, we, of our front of house was hired that way. And also our back of house. 
Okay, and, and, and obviously the other thing is that <coughs> the majority of people do see the infrastructure, they do see the success, but they do not see the failures. Was there any time in you building your legacy that you felt like, you know what, this is not gonna work? Yeah, yeah. So uh, when I, I dropped out of college, um, I wanted to be a jazz musician. My parents thought I was crazy. And, um, and, I, and I did it. And when I decided to drop out of college, it was a big deal. I was like, okay, wait a minute. Is this, like, is this for me? And I, and I had to make kind of a critical decision about like, what my values were going to be about, how I was going to go forward. And there and then I, I decided to myself, and I stayed with it, that I was not going to trade time for money. I just decided right there. I'm not going to trade time for money, which meant that I wasn't going to just take a job for money. In, in, in my 30-year career, I've probably worked for somebody else for maybe not more than 18 months, where I had to make a little money in between. And it's not the easy route, but, but it was just a, a decision I made. And um, it worked out for me, uh, but not without, like I, I had some, some crashes here and there. When I came to Africa, it was really dramatic because Africa is so, you know, up is down, <laughs> left is right, you know, yes is no, <laughs> you know, like you never know. And, you know, when you come from a different cultural environment, you, you, you know, as you would if you came to the United States or went to England, you, you would have to kind of learn the landscape. You'd have to learn like the conversation that's happening underneath the conversation. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there, that's a pretty steep learning curve when you come to Africa, especially because the, the, you know, the, the business environment's also quite different, right? And we struggled for the first four years here, probably. You know, it was just really difficult. And there were a couple of times, because I, I, you know, um, I, I have family who I left back in Miami. There were a couple of times where I was like, baby, I, I, I don't know if this is gonna work out, man. Because, you know, like, I'm just, I just, I'm just not sure, you know, I, I keep thinking it might work, but then I'm not sure. And this change and that contract was in the government thing didn't work out and the PPP thing. And, uh, you know, and then suddenly it clicked. Sudden, suddenly our first project happened. It made money and then everything was different, you know, and we kind of cracked the code. And I, I realized that there were probably 10 good points along the journey where it would have been really reasonable to say, you know what, this is not happening. I'm going back to New York, you know, this is not happening, or this is crazy, or these guys, or this currency, or this Forex thing, or, but you, you kinda, like, you never know when the right time to quit is. It's, it's always just a guess, right? And we just didn't, we just kept going. And then suddenly things clicked, and you could say, you know, if, 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 if I was in a, in a, a hubristic mood, I could say, yeah, we just, yeah, you never quit and blah, blah, blah. That's kind of BS. Like, you know, sometimes it's good to quit, right? Sometimes you have to cut your losses because you, you've just taken a path and it's not working and you hit a wall. But with the Africa thing, we, we didn't know where the wall was. And, and we just, you know, fortunately persevered long enough. And now, and, and I think this is a, a, a great metaphor for all business. When you, when you bust through a wall, and it's cost you something like it was hard. It cost money and it, there was an opportunity cost. And and, you know, you had to do, you know, the, the hard grafting to get there. And then you find yourself in utopia 
it's like, oh shit, nobody is gonna have the perseverance to follow me here. I got the whole place to myself, if, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. How many other Americans do you know here? In business, not in, in business. Uh, ah, well, we've got a lot of Chinese, uh, that's, that's for sure. If you know three Americans in business, I know you know dozens in, at USAID or yeah, at, yeah, at church. Yeah. But if you know three Americans in business, I would be totally surprised. Because the, the, the barrier to entry is so high, you know, it's culturally and, and, and our, our, in terms of opportunity costs. And so, like, for, for, for young entrepreneurs, it's the same thing, you know. You find a thing that you can, you can you manage to pay the opportunity cost and, and you, you achieve something, you're, you're it. You're there. It's, it's almost like you've, you've, you've reached the top of the hill because n nobody can follow you that easily. It'll, it'll take a long time before somebody can, from my, you know, another American is willing to kind of take the brain damage. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, 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 and then CJ, the other thing that you've mentioned, I think about twice, you've mentioned that you dropped out of college. Um, mm. Now, in Zambia, most people have got this thing that Bill Gates dropped out, he's successful, Mark Zuckerberg dropped yeah. out, he's successful. Now they're hearing CJ dropped out, he's, you know, owns the urban Must be a meme. hotels, yeah. you know, not, 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 not really it's a meme, but people now think maybe the way to success is if I drop out of college. It's not though, is it? it so college is different than it was back then anyway, right? So college is less and less relevant now because uh, so many of the, the curriculums are, yeah, I mean, most college programs were created before, you know, we had cell phones for God's sake, you know? So how relevant is that program in the digital age? Because when I was in college, like if you went, if you became an investment banker, uh, uh, a lawyer, uh, I don't know, you, you name it, like uh, anything that had proprietary information, you, you know, you basically, had a lock, you know, it, it was sort of like um, you were paying college to get a bunch of information that nobody else had that you could charge money for, right? Yeah. That's what the law is, basically. That's what investment bankers do, basically. That's what financiers do. They seem to know something that you can't possibly know, and so you pay them for it. And now everything's online, like everything. There's nothing, like, do you realize that Elon Musk taught himself how to, he's not a rocket scientist. He learned most of what he needed to know about rockets through the internet and through associates. But he's not a rocket scientist. He just knows how to solve problems. And so in this day and age, you know, like you, you have a, a, like a business environment that is biased towards people with degrees. And that may be important. That's a, that's a consideration. Like, okay, I'm a Zambian, I'm not an American. I'm. I'm here where they, they require that and there's not as many jobs, so I need to put myself in a position where I'm, I'm, I'm as desirable as I can be as a candidate. That I understand. But as a practical matter, you know, is there anything you are gonna learn in school that you can't learn maybe better offline? Probably not. Maybe, maybe medicine? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but you can teach yourself that too, but you still need a degree, a degree for that. Yeah. Um, so th that's the, f the, the first thing I would say about education. I think that education is pretty outdated. I think you can learn most of it online. And, but I think there's another side to it, which is, which is about the person. 
Elon Musk, the guys you cited, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, those guys were runners, right? They, they knew where they wanted, they, like, they, they, they didn't, they, they were too ambitious, too curious to sit in college for four years. They just could not do it. Even Zuckerberg, they couldn't do it. Their brains were going too fast. And there is that kind of person, right? And I think in a funny way, maybe I'm that kind of person. Like I'd get too impatient, um, especially if I don't feel like I'm, I'm I think, it, I think the, the commonality between all those people is that they really value their time. They feel it's precious and they, they want every moment to really have a lot of juice in it. And, and so they calculate the risk reward of college versus experience. And it's a personal decision. I, don't, I would never tell anybody what to do or what not to do. But what I know is that <coughs> if you have to decide whether you should quit school or stay in school, then you should probably stay in school. If you can't stay in school because your brain's just going too fast, then don't stay in school. You're, 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 you're the owner of that decision. And, and it's sort of like, you know, if you, if you have to ask if you should marry her, <laughs> then don't marry her. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, it's like it, you yeah. either know the answer or you don't know the answer. If you don't know the answer, then don't, don't take the big step. Interesting. Uh, and then also, um, there's this culture of, of like having a daily routine and whatnot. Anna over there is reading uh, 5 a.m. club. And yeah, yeah. There's this thing that people who are successful, <laughs> obviously, you know, you have a morning routine, you wake up yeah. at five in the morning and your time is like really plotted out in terms of your activities for the day. Like you plan your day to the last T. Yeah. Is that the kind of, you know, habit that you've created for yourself or you're like just one of those random people? It happens when it happens. No, you, you said two different things, which is really interesting because people conflate them. So I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'd love to, to talk about that because I, it's a personal thing. So I, I'm, I'm not telling you what the answer is, but I'll tell you what my answer is. Um, so the hustle culture of plotting your day out and, and really knowing what you're doing every minute, which a, a, a lot of overachievers do. I think maybe, is Elon Musk like that? There's, there's some guys like that. I think Elon Musk might be one of those guys. Um, I'm not that guy. <clears throat> I actually really value, um, I feel like I get more productivity out of my, my day when I don't overschedule and when I just allow my subconscious and, and, and like I, I have a couple of high priority things every day, day that I want to achieve, but I like a lot of air in my day. Um, and I find when I let, like I, I, I sort of find like my subconscious and just the universe in general is smarter than I am. And so if I let it kind of just, like I, I pick a direction and then I let the day kind of push me. It usually, I'm usually pretty thrilled with the results. But the other thing is about the routine that you mentioned, the 5 a.m. club. I find that 5 a.m. club thing, I mean, I'll, I kind of do that anyway. So I, I, I have a routine in the morning. I don't like to be rushed in the morning. I get up pretty early. I, get, I got up at 4.30 this morning. That was random. I, I don't usually get up that early. <laughs> but I went to bed early last night. I usually get up around 5.30 and I spend about an hour in bed reading. And then, I, then I'll, I'll read a book, um, I'll read the news. It's just my time. I'll read, uh, I'll listen to a, an audio book for 20 minutes. And then I'll, I'll spend 30 minutes, uh, 20 minutes actually exercising. I just do it right next to my bed. I, do, I have my own like little ninja workout. It's like the workout is like, I call it my prison workout if I could do it when I go to prison, like in my prison cell, <laughs> <coughs> push-ups, pull-ups, <clears throat> handstands. And I don't do it 
as much for the exercise as, as I do it for my, my brain. Because when I do it, my brain just lights up, you know? And so I have a little notepad next to me and I, my ideas come. And, and so that's 20, 30 minutes. And then, um, and then I kind of meditate for 20 minutes. Like literally, I just don't, I just veg out uh, and, I, and I, I try and um, kind of disassociate from my thoughts, which constitutes about like, I'll, I'll, I'll just bang around for like 90 minutes in the morning before I even do anything. And it just is the best start to my day because I, I've, I've, I've got a, some creative time. I've played some guitar. I've worked out. I've meditated. And um, I've kind of won the day already, right? Yeah. And I've, I didn't plan this, but I, it just started happening. I, like at, at the end of my meditation, and I don't even meditate that long, maybe 15 minutes at the most. Um, this, subconsciously, uh, uh, like as I would get out of my meditation, like my voice would just say, or my, my, my inner voice would just say, this is going to be a great day. And now it happens every day. This is going to be a great day. <laughs> and I, I swear, every day something great happens. <laughs> you know? yeah. it's, all, it's almost like it seeds the day. And, and um, so anyway, that's my routine. So it's a combination of the things. So I think like routine is good because routine allows your brain to kind of relax and, and, and think. And that's, that's a really creative period. And, and creativity, especially for an entrepreneur, is really important. Creative problem solving, creative ideas. But the, the, the idea of hustle culture, I think is almost like anti-work. Like I think the, the, the idea that you tick the box on, on lots of action items is actually counterproductive because I think a lot of, for, especially for entrepreneurs, a lot of the magic is in the moments that aren't, like I didn't know I was gonna meet you today, Sui. And a couple things happened, right? I love your, I love your rig. We might do a deal. Right. Yeah. You didn't plan that. I didn't plan that. You know, when I when I met Anna, I, I can't. I think it was like a LinkedIn thing, and I think I complimented her on something, which I never do, but I, I, I but I did, and then I then I realized she'd commented on something from with me from like two years ago, and I never even responded, and then I got to know her, and you can't plan that stuff, and and so like there's so much magic in the day that if you just kind of grab onto it, you just got to allow for it to happen, and people I find who overprogram themselves don't allow for that. And, yeah. and, and I think that's, that misses a big part of, 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 of the juice of life and also business. Okay, as, as we get to wrap up, obviously um, <coughs> you've, you've got a number of colleagues and mates that you grew up with. Obviously not all of them are successful as you are. What would you say are some of the principles that you apply in your personal life that you feel have made you achieve this level of success? The kind of principles that draw the difference between those that make it and those that don't? Well, like I say, you know, everybody, um, you can't really compare people's success because other people have different values, right? And, yeah. and so you have to kind of, you know, the first thing that, that I would say to, to that is you have to know what your values are. Like, I already identified one of them. I won't trade time for money. But there's a whole list of values that, that, that I use to sort of be my North Star. Like, I, you know, I, I want to I move forward instead of moving backward, meaning I want to have new experiences. Um, I, I love design. That's a value. Like, it's important to me. Like, I won't just build a hotel. I, I, I want to build this. And so it makes it really easy to decide on which projects to take on, right? Um, 
Another big value of mine, which it took a long time to learn, but I, but I, but I, it, it's it's deeply embedded, is I don't I don't really judge. And and I really mean that. Like I don't like even people I don't like, I don't judge, because they are that way for some reason. And when you don't judge people, then you realize nothing's personal, right? So that's another value. I don't I don't take things personally. So and my staff kind of knows that. Like I'm I can I I can say really hard things to people like this wasn't working or I didn't like this or that, that blah, blah, blah. But it's never about them. It's about it, right? But when you also apply that to yourself, like don't judge yourself because you're also a human, you know, you have, you know, we're all kind of a mishmash of stuff, you know, and yeah. emotions and backgrounds and stuff and, and, and biases or, or uh, uh, histories. And the moment you don't judge yourself, you're kind of free, right? You can do anything. You can fail, even. You know, you can you can try stuff. You can you can be adventurous. Um, so that's another big value. And 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 finally, I, I would say that you know the, the probably the the things that have gotten me the farthest is a certain amount of emotional intelligence and a certain amount of like like I know I have a kind heart. You know, like I don't want to hurt people, even people that I have to fire. I don't want to hurt them. And it's good to be kind because people remember that, right? And emotional intelligence is really important because, you know, if there's one skill that will get you farther than any other skill in the in in, in life, it's it's human engineering, which would be you know self awareness and emotional intelligence and the ability to lead other people. So understanding people and 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 what motivates them and and where they're coming from instead of judging them. Will, will probably make you more successful and make you more money than all the degrees you will ever yeah. achieve. Because people, um, you know, people are, 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 you can manage people, you know, by managing their emotions, their expectations, um, and, 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 and guiding them to a place where they feel good about themselves. That you, you'll, you'll, you'll be more successful if you can man- master that than any other skill, I'm sure of it. Interesting. My last question to uh, CJ is, obviously, like you said, you've been in Zambia for quite a long time. Um, you're obviously helping our country's economy. You're giving people jobs. Um, is there more that you're doing to help out other people? Because look, the wealth of knowledge, for example, that you have is, is massive. Is, is there more you're doing, for example, on, like socially, for example, away from just the hotel and the business? What else, what else do you do? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it's, it's so funny because it, you see it one way and I see it the other way. You, you see an investor who's coming in helping Zambia and investing and building jobs. I see, you know, a, a, a gorgeous country that's willing to allow me to build a business in, in, within its boundaries and, and to hire its, its human capital and to bring something new to the table. So in a funny way, I feel like I'm the lucky one, you know, the, like, how dare I come to your country and, you know, like, do this. So, so that's, that's how I would kind of view that. But at the same time, whether, whether you're in Zambia or the United States or wherever, the truth is that, um, you know, I'm at a later stage of my career. And so maybe there's something that I can, I can offer in, in terms of, like, helping other people up. So um, probably not enough is the answer, but, but I, I like to, to give sort of leadership and, and, and success workshops here. Um, gave one on Friday, um, uh, which was just 
a sort of entry-level uh, workshop to get people into commercial real estate if they want to, which is is sort of a, a is sort of a mysterious thing, and there are not a lot of entry points, and so we tried to demystify it. But um, apart from that, um, we're we're working on a, a. I've just been engaged by the UNCHR to um, build universities or build uh, sort of some campuses for the refugees in, in, in Zambia. There, there's a big project. There's some big refugee uh, locations in northwestern Zambia, and I think on the Congo border. And we were asked by Cavendish University if we would help them to um, develop campuses because apparently they, they don't have access to education. Um, other than that, I, I'm open to anything, man. Anybody have an idea that we can support? <laughs> I'm down. Because we love we love to, uh, to to support anything that that promotes entrepreneurship, um, education, uh, women's empowerment, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, no, thank you very much for your time, CJ, uh, and thank you very much for hosting <coughs> us. Uh, like I said earlier, it's, it's it's a beautiful piece of infrastructure. I feel like it adds value to our podcast. We've got good picture, we've got good scenery and everything. Oh, I'm so and, glad. And we'll try also to to just show some pictures around for others because I'm saying it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Others have not been here before, so we'll try and see if we can just show the place around so that oh, yeah, you know guys can can better appreciate it. But but thanks thanks at the end of the no, it's a pleasure, man. These these are really fun questions, and uh, you know the urban is you know we're still kind of finishing it up. Yeah. The downstairs is open, the bar is open, the outside bar is gonna be open in two weeks. Um, and uh, yeah, man, I, I think this is gonna be a, a, a wonderful place to meet like-minded people. Yeah. Have well, great drinks. Yeah, and, and I'm sure we'll be bumping into the lot. I hope and I see you at the bar. There's a, corner, there's a corner seat at the bar that's particularly good for a, for a, a media guy. So hopefully we'll, maybe we can put your name on the back of it. <laughs> I look forward to that. Yeah, so that was a conversation uh, with CJ. Um, he is, well, basically the owner of the Urban Group of Hotels. Uh, he's been very kind enough to host us here. And obviously we look forward to having more conversations around these kinds of subjects, obviously here um, at the Urban Hotel. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, like, and also share the video. And also just keep in touch with us, give us feedback on how the podcast can grow. Otherwise, thank you so much. We'll see you in our next episode.